Čipy jako takové. The chips never used to be a conventional commodity for the automotive industry. The situation is changing now and will have to change. We'll have to start reserving chip capacity for the suppliers of our specific subcomponents. You're listening to Marek Jancák, head of Škoda Auto Vehicle Production in a new episode of Simply Clever Podcast 2.0. This week we talk about the global shortage of chips. Probably nobody could have expected that right after the COVID crisis there would be another global problem causing the vehicle production to stop, this time the global shortage of chips. Of course, COVID-19 played its role. One of the other reasons is probably that the production of chips is too centralized in Asia, but it was probably a combination of various factors together. How are the automotive companies supposed to react and what is the outline for upcoming months? These are the questions for Marek Jancák, head of Škoda Auto Vehicle Production, in a new episode of Simply Clever Podcast 2.0. Mr. Jancák, welcome to the Simply Clever Podcast. Uh, thanks for sharing your time with us. Hello, it's my pleasure. Uh, we are going to talk about chips uh, before we get to the heart of what is now a global problem. Please, could you explain why chips are so important for the car and why we use them? Tak chip, tak jak ho známe z počítačové terminologie, ten nejdůležitější komponent. Well, the chip, as we know it from computer terminology, is the most important component in a computer. And as part of an electronic circuit, it handles all the communication within a computer, the outputs. It's an electronic component that internally shifts or stores zeros and ones. And it performs the same function in cars as it does in computers. Basically in anything from computers to cars and electronic lawnmowers or a simple light bulb that has LED technology. In other words, cars wouldn't run without chips nowadays. Absolutely not. It wouldn't be possible. Firstly, due to the emissions control. That's probably the basis. The functionality of the engine is directly affected by that. Also, it would be impossible to meet the safety requirements for cars without computer technology, i.e. chips. Because there are a lot of electrical or computer-controlled systems in the car and uh, they are often the critical elements, such as, if I'm not mistaken, various braking systems and the like are also computer-controlled. Yes, it's the most complex systems that are computer-controlled ones where there is a particularly strong requirement for safety and uninterrupted operation. These are in a different league from phones and computers, where we can tolerate occasional blips. I'd like to point out, though, that the term chip is relatively broad. A chip can be a basic electronic component that contains a single transistor, or it can be a very powerful integrated circuit that can handle video rendering and have billions of transistors. I assume that the variation is similar in the car. Some chips have a very simple function and then there are more complex ones in control units and so on. That's right. Although the control units we use today in a decentralized system don't achieve and don't need to achieve the performance parameters of, for example, computers that handle autonomous piloting and the like. 
autonomní pilotáž a podobně. In terms of the situation we are in now uh, with the global shortage of chips, we often hear about how many chips there are in a car. Numbers in the order of hundreds have been mentioned, but if I understood correctly, the numbers of chips were a little bit exaggerated and there was no distinction made between what a chip is and what a semiconductor is. Could you explain this? Tak čip jako takový, jak už jsem zmínil, může být pouhý emitor světla na bázi LED. Well, as I've mentioned, a chip can be in an LED-based bulb, which is a conventional LED light, and one LED is usually itself a chip. If we look at cars today, they contain many LEDs, and not just on the dashboard or in the display, but also outside. For example, the headlights, rear lights, indicators, and so on. If we include these, there really are hundreds of chips. So in this sense, the numbers aren't exaggerated. However, the chips and the crisis related to them concern the vehicle control units, the tiny computers that have a higher function than just lighting up. They can control the lighting, but as I say, they're part of a higher function. There's a shortage of these. The most sophisticated methods known to humankind, as well as a high degree of technical skill, are required to produce them. We are getting to the heart of the matter, uh, the problem itself. I mean, the chip shortage is global now. It's not just the automotive industry. It's not just an issue for Škoda Auto. How did this problem come about? Tak jak a v kterém okamžiku vznikl, s tím si ještě řada ekonomů a nákupčích mnoha firm láme hlavu. Well, how and at what point the problem arose is something that economists and buyers at many companies are still puzzling over. The reasons why it happened at that moment aren't clear. Basically, it was caused by huge demand, a huge increase in demand. This wasn't a linear increase, but a geometric increase, which means a de facto increase from 10 to 100-fold from one year to the next. Why? Because, as I've said, for example, a petrol lawnmower that everybody with a garden has doesn't contain a single chip. If you buy a battery mower, then there'll be dozens of chips. The same goes for lighting. Incandescent light bulbs didn't contain chips. If it says that one light bulb contains 72 LEDs, then it contains 72 chips that somebody must have produced at a technological facility. At the same time, consumer electronics, and here the biggest booster was probably COVID, saw a big increase in sales. During lockdown, people were relying heavily on electronic communication. So everybody needed to equip not only themselves, but also their employees, their company and their family with this means of communication. This includes mobile phones as well as tablets, which are convenient and suitable for fast communication, or even a better computer, which allows for enhanced performance on a conventional Skype call. Anebo i lepší počítač, který umožňuje lepší provedení klasického Skypeu. So two phenomena coincided. General technological development, where the need for chips was increasing because uh, they are integrated into more and more devices, and in the same time, the increased demand for consumer electronics, which was probably caused by the events of the last two years, right? Přesně tak, jak jste řekl. Exactly. Products themselves contain more and more chips, and there's greater demand for such products. Then there's a third factor. 
There were sudden unfortunate capacity outages caused by natural disasters. The winter storm in Texas is often cited. COVID lockdowns also played a role, for example in Malaysia, where unfortunately the main manufacturers are based. These factors compounded to the point that at certain times the supply of chips dropped to a fraction of the original requirements and expectations. But the current problem is not so much the lack of production. Production has largely picked up in the terms of the volumes of chips, if I'm not mistaken. But the issue now is that the flow of chips has shifted slightly towards different industries. That's a side effect of the three factors we've talked about. Understandably, at a time when the automotive industry itself was facing major challenges in the form of an uncertain future and the lockdown itself, then it was clear at that point that you don't start ordering large quantities of material for production that you can't guarantee. And the manufacturers responded by redirecting their capacity toward the fast-moving business of consumer electronics. Getting back to the chain, that's the big task now. And getting extra capacity is our priority, because in the automotive industry, we need more chips now than we did two years ago. So at this point, we need to win back our position in terms of the number of chips we take? Absolutely. It's not just about taking a slice of the pie, which unfortunately still isn't big enough. The thing is to push for the expansion of production capacity. That's where the biggest opportunity lies. The critical weak point in this case is globalization, which so far hasn't had such a harsh impact on world business. Globalization in the sense that production is concentrated in certain specific areas. The biggest manufacturers are in Asia, specifically TSMC. This manufacturer controls up to 80% of the chip production market in a certain segment. So the aim is and we're already at European Union policy level, to increase capacity, and to do it somewhere other than Asia, so that we're not dependent. Could anything have been done better on the part of the car companies to prevent the situation they find themselves in now, slightly pushed aside by other industries? Well, you can always evaluate the cause and effect in hindsight and do something better. But practically, we're strongly process-oriented in terms of sustainable development and long-term planning, not only short-term. This is because our products have a life cycle of five years and require some development time. So we've got to plan and secure resources for the future very carefully. In the case of batteries, for example, we've been very active, as have other manufacturers. We anticipated the trend towards electric vehicles many years ago, which has been confirmed. And we've been securing capacity for battery components and battery production. We've no problem in that regard today. In some cases, economists are even talking about overplanned battery production capacity. I don't think this is the case, but time will tell. By contrast, no one had been talking about chips. There wasn't the slightest hint we were heading towards this problem. And the response time was shortened considerably by the COVID events that we've been talking about. In fact, it posed an almost unsolvable problem. We're trying to rectify it, but the reaction time will certainly be two to three years. That's the time frame required for a chip production facility to be built.
I understand that most chips are, as you've said, produced by one consortium or one company. To what extent do you depend on just one supplier for purchasing? And to what extent can you diversify as things stand? Tak, musím přiznat, že chipy jako takové pro automobilový průmysl nebývaly klasickou komoditou. Well, I must admit the chips never used to be a conventional commodity for the automotive industry. The commodity is characterized by the fact that it's freely tradable on the market, for example steel. And although we have suppliers of certain steel products, we also try to control the supply of steel from these suppliers to guarantee capacity, because steel is a commodity. That's not exactly what happened in the case of the chip. As an automotive manufacturer, we don't buy chips directly. We buy ready-made control units or even complete functional car parts, such as heating or air conditioning units and the like, which themselves contain control units and these, in turn, contain the chips. So the path from us to the primary chip supplier can pass through up to three partners. That's partially the root of the problem. The situation is changing now and will have to change. We'll have to apply the logic of commodities to this situation and start reserving chip capacity for the suppliers of our specific subcomponents. It's quite important to explain that because if I look at it with the logic of the average listener, driver or viewer, that would be my first question. Why don't the car makers secure this somehow? So this was not, let's say, completely in your hands, like directly ordering a batch for delivery and so on. It wasn't the custom. Understandably, it's not as simple as I'm making it sound. But in principle, it was and still is about this issue. Of course, the way to solve the problem is to enter at the beginning of the chain. You've also mentioned one thing that I think is uh, not entirely obvious to everybody, and that is that the overall safety of the car, or rather the passengers, is dependent on a lot of these individual components that contain chips. Uh, there has been a lot of criticism that the automotive industry in general does not work with the most modern or the very latest version of these chips. Lately, this criticism has been coming from the chip manufacturers or other companies that operate in this field. If If I understand it correctly, safety is one of the reasons you stick to the tried and tested version of the chip. The term most modern is relative. We understand the term most modern to be nanometer technology, which is moving toward number three nowadays. The most modern mobile phones have five nanometer technology inside. However, safety isn't the most important factor in these products. That's why updating and upgrading them is relatively straightforward from a security standpoint. I stress the word relatively. If you make any modifications to the hardware or software linked to safety features, you've got to be 100% sure you're not going to put the customer in a situation that would endanger their life or health in any way. You can only get this assurance through testing. You've really got to expose the car to real-life situations and confirm that it reacts as it should in the most extreme conditions, in terms of temperature, weather, humidity, acceleration, dynamic shocks, vibrations, and so on. This can't be done as quickly as we would replace a mobile phone, for example. So the usual life cycle of a model is about five years. Although, of course, its functionality can be upgraded, the basic design remains the same. This rhythm creates certain limitations, 
because you can't deploy new chips every year and use the latest technology in the same way as we see with more common electronic devices. At the same time, and I'll put it uh, in layman's terms, if the chip breaks down for some reason in a mobile phone, it's theoretically solvable. It can be replaced. It's possible to either update the version of the chip or upgrade the device. And as you've said, the cycle uh, is slower and longer with a car, and indeed the chip in the car shouldn't last only as long as the original owner drives it, but also for as long as subsequent owners drive it. In short, throughout the whole life of the car, which is significantly longer than that of consumer devices we have at home. Yes, the component must either last or appropriately report its failure. And this failure shouldn't become apparent only when an important functional part stops working. I'm sure you know from your own experience how many times your mobile phone has tripped or frozen or failed to respond as you'd expect. That simply can't happen with the functional parts of a vehicle. And even if all works as it should, changing a component that is faulty simply because of a chip is a big problem in the automotive industry, right? Yes, that's why everything is thoroughly tested. And again, the tests take several months. In some cases, this can take, well, maybe not years, but certainly more than a year. And it's impossible to replace something every year and then spend a year testing the replacement. You couldn't do business that way and you wouldn't even ensure safety. Can we describe the situation that Škoda Auto is right now in terms of the limitations due to the supply of chips? We're recording this in mid-November 2021. This episode will go out at the beginning of December. So how do we expect production to be going by then? Well, we're facing probably the biggest problem in our company's history. And what's worse is that the problem is operational. Realistically, we're not looking beyond two to three weeks. We're working with an allocation system, as are the majority of other car makers. Everybody's in the same situation. Towards the end of the year, we expect some clarification of the global capacity and the possibility to finally define a stable production plan. I hope it'll be equal to or close to the upper limit of the capacity we had originally planned. That'll only become apparent as we move into December. Are there any signs that things will be returning to normal next year? It's widely known that next year things will still be problematic. What's not known is how problematic they'll be. The outlook is better than this year, but this year has been very dynamic. At the beginning, we were doing well. We had good results for the first half of the year. In the second half of the year, and especially the third quarter, which has just ended, it turned out that we had bigger problems. We had longer production outages. We're hoping that next year will be better than the third quarter of this year. Well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this will be the case. I think that many Škoda Auto customers are too. So I'll just uh, wish you good luck and let's hope next year goes a little bit smoother. We hope so, for our customers who we value enormously. 
We're doing everything we can to make sure that they are affected as little as possible. Although we do understand that sometimes they don't see it that way. I když chápeme, že to tak nikdy nevidí. That was Marek Jancák, head of Škoda Auto Vehicle Production. If you don't want to miss the next episodes of this podcast, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcast or some other podcast platform. You can also listen to the Czech version of Simply Clever Podcast. See you next time, take care and if you are driving right now, travel safe. <laughs>